Welcome to Carbon Times. As the global drive towards creating a more sustainable world for us all continues to gain pace, our goal is to create interesting content where we will speak to people from across all sectors on what can drive sustainability in everything that we do. We are inviting interesting guests along to talk to us about their experiences and what they are doing to share knowledge, experience, innovation and ambitions. As ever, we want to get everybody talking. We all have a responsibility to create a more sustainable world. Leather is known for being one of the most environmentally damaging textiles. Both the CO2 and the, the water uh, footprints, they're just off the chart. The plastic alternatives, they have a lower CO2 footprint, but then we have the, the plastic waste problem. And there's like surprisingly little regulation. You know, food companies need to disclose, you know, by law what's in the food, but material companies don't. And so we don't know what we're surrounding ourselves with. Welcome back to the Carbon Times podcast. Today, we're delighted to be joined by Daniela from Biophilica. Biophilica transforms green waste into a plant-based leather alternative that is compostable, recyclable, estimated carbon neutral, and made locally. All great claims to be had. Welcome, Daniela. How are you? Hello. Thanks for the invite. I'm doing very well. How are you? Very good. Thank you. I haven't attempted to pronounce your surname. So if you just let people know what your surname is for, because it sounds much better coming from you anyway. <laughs> yeah, sure. So I'm Daniela Rondinone from Lovely. <laughs> Thank you very much. Tell us a little bit about yourself then. How have you got to where you are on this, well, you know, quite noble journey, really? Yeah, so I'm currently the business and operations manager at Biophilica. I have a diverse background. So for the last more than 10 years, I've been working both in the apparel and textile industries, both from a fashion design perspective and also from a more scientific and engineering side of developing technical materials. I've also worked in the quality side and testing aspect of materials in a testing laboratory, which gave me a lot of good insights about what are the quality controls to be looked at and the health and safety aspects of developing materials. And I also have a Lean Six Sigma certification, which is super relevant for this type of companies as well for improving the processes. Uh, so all those skills and that experience led me to my current position at Biophilica. Excellent. So it looks like, well, I suppose you can tell over the last 10 years, I guess, that people have got far more conscious about the types of materials that they're purchasing. And I think that's ramped up even more in the last, I don't know, three to five years, even that people are far more conscious. And we're starting to see a lot more transformation around, you know, leather alternatives, etc. in cars is, you know, one example that kind of sticks out to me as a bit of a car fan in that sense. But what's the problem you've identified, I guess, and what is it that you want to solve in the world? Yeah, so in terms of sustainability, of course, there's been a lot of different initiatives for the last year. One problem we identify is within the leather industry. So when looking at that industry, we can see that leather is one of the most environmentally harmful materials in that area. And it has a lot of carbon footprint and a lot of issues with the potential use of toxic chemicals, as well in the water usage. 
So we wanted to provide a sustainable leather alternative. That's why we developed three kinds as a more circular and sustainable approach. Talking a little bit about how the material was kind of created. So Mira Nameth is the founder of the company. She came up with this idea. She previously worked for 15 years as an art and creative director in different fashion agencies. And after having a daughter, she became more conscious about sustainability. And that's when she came up with this idea of developing the material, which nowadays is three kind. And the company was founded in 2019. Let's talk a little bit about your joining a biophilica then, right? So you come from a very strong technical background in that kind of textiles and fashion world. So was there something that you saw or observed in your previous roles that made you want to look for something that was doing something different, I guess, or that that was looking to address this issue specifically? Yeah, so I did a Master of Science in textiles, and during that time I learned about all these different technical applications for textile materials, and back then I was already aware of all these leather alternatives, which I think are a super innovative concept, because in terms of sustainability, of course, you can have different efforts that consumers can do for recycling clothes, all these different approaches, but the idea that a company develops a material that it's uh, fully sustainable and doing so combining concepts from both fashion design and textile design and from science, uh, chemistry, engineering, math, all those areas combined together. I thought that was really innovative and interesting. Yeah, I can see why that would be an attractive proposition to someone with your skill set in that, you know, in, in what's being achieved. So with tree kind then as a leather alternative what are the main benefits of it and what are the alternatives as opposed to real leather aside from you know it not being an animal product but what are the other kind of process examples i guess yeah so in terms of our material we source materials from urban waste and agricultural waste and we use that to develop our own material and uh, the main Advantage, if you want to call it, is that our material is completely plastic free. So we don't use any PU, PVC or any other petrochemicals added to the tree kind. And this is our main market advantage. So we see a lot of leather alternatives that use plants or different natural ingredients as a base, but then they combine that with plastics. And that means the end material is not compostable, which is still an issue for the industry. So our approach makes this material fully compostable, fully biodegradable, non-toxic. It also uses low resources, which again, it's aligned to the initial problem I was previously describing. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, then you can add other properties in terms of surface properties for water resistance and other other benefits but yeah the main one would be being fully biodegradable excellent i always find it really interesting with products like yourself or you know like what you're trying to achieve because the leather industry especially in fashion and textiles is such an established market it's been around for so long and people I guess they know, they trust, they love leather, right? That's kind of, you know, a, a lovely leather handbag, a kind of a big 
kudos and a big win for a lot of people in that sense so how have you found personally the quality so you've got exposed to you know textiles and all sorts of stuff in the past how does tree kind stack up against leather from a quality perspective so in terms of the first thing you see when you look at a material and you analyze it, we've gotten really good feedback from different companies interested in working with us. And they, yeah, they say it looks and feels like real leather. And this happens to a lot of people. So that's a really good thing for us, but obviously that's not enough. So in terms of providing a good quality product, we face our material to the same types of testing, mostly ISO testing that you would face natural leather. And so far we've seen really good results. We developed more than a hundred ISO testing and we test different properties of the materials such as tensile, tear strength. We do also flex testing, chemical analysis. And yeah, we saw that it compares really well when compared to real leather. What I found talking to a lot of people that are developing you know, sustainable business practices, sustainable products, whatever it might be, that being under that banner of sustainability and, you know, makes you drive the direction of development in the right way to some degree, that because it is sustainable, because it is ethical, because you have all of those kind of checks and balances to go through. And, you know, you and I have spoke about it already that, you know, even in your marketing, you're super conscious about making sure that you're not misleading people and providing the right messaging, which we'll come back to in a second. But that's something generally that I found that people embark on the journey in the right way from a sustainability perspective, you end up with a better product. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And it makes the whole process uh, so much easier. So you make the right decisions from the start in terms of selecting the best materials using natural ingredients. That's what we use in our pigments. In every material we use and also taking care of the processes, not only the ingredients itself, but using low resource process in the production chain. So yeah, I agree with you. I, I think that's definitely the best approach and it's easier to start with that mindset from start than to have a different kind of not sustainable product and trying to go backwards. I agree. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. And I mentioned there that as a company, you're very upfront about what you're doing and making sure that you're not giving out false messaging. So one of the bits that stands out when you read your general messaging is around it being estimated carbon neutral. So do you just want to touch on that for us and just explain what that is? Yeah, so of course, as you were saying, we are really cautious in the claims we make and we only make strong claims after we develop the proper testing and went through the appropriate certifications for doing so. So at this moment, we can say we use low resources throughout our whole production process. And specifically in terms of water, we can get a little bit more specific and we can say that we use 0.1% of the water when you compare to the leather production. So that's already a big win, if you want to call it. I mean, that's an insane difference, really. And that's just non-comparable, is it, really, in terms of that? And with water being such a critical resource in the world, and, you know, if we continue to get the hot summers that we've been experiencing over the last couple of years, you know, you can, even in the UK, a relatively wet place, you could see the reservoirs diminishing and, you know, all of that just in through one year of increased heat, you know, it's a big challenge. So I think water is one of those resources that's going to become ever more important as we go forward in life. So anything around that is going to be really good. 
Let's talk a little bit about your customers. So, you know, forgive me if I'm wrong, but I think the objective is to provide the material for then use in all sorts of applications. So anyone that currently uses leather, it's an easy switch out in terms of them being able to use your product as an alternative. So that kind of business to business structure is what you're after. You're not in the market for developing it, making your own handbags and selling those, I would assume. Yeah, that's right. You're you're right. So we are a B2B uh, company developing material for different brands. And again, our material has the potential to be used in any of the applications you would use leather. Initially, Trikind is suitable for leather goods and homeware. So for example, developing bags, wallets, belts, different watch straps, upholstery. So that has been the initial proposition. And we've been developing really good relationships with different customers who receive a lot of interest. So I can, as an example, share two collaborations that we are currently working on. So one of them is with iVisionive watches in collaboration with Multiplayers. So together, these companies based in Switzerland, they are developing luxury watch straps made with our material. So that's a really interesting application. Really, that's that's um, really good, yeah. Yeah. And then another example, it's a concept collection uh, being developed with Bean London. So this is a concept collection of packs and accessories, again, using three kinds. So this shows an example of the wide range of products that you can use our material for. Excellent. And have those companies taken your product and used it so to create like a prototype for their use? Yeah, so it always starts with the prototype and different testing on the material to make sure it will perform as intended on the final application. And once we are happy with the prototypes on both ends, then you can start with the production. So it's yeah, collaboration process and making sure that we can provide the brands with the material properties that they need and that we meet all the requirements and all the ISO standards for that particular application. Let's use the watch strap as an example then, because I think that's a really transferable example. Every, you know, I would imagine everyone listening has worn a watch at one stage or another in their life. There is always a big range between the quality of leather straps. You know, from personal experience, if you get a high-end watch, you get a lovely leather strap. And conversely, on the other end of the market, you don't really from that point of view. So the fact that it is a high-end brand that's gone with it and, you know, you're in that space now of, you know, having a proof of concept in that. What's the feedback from Montclair, for example? So yeah, we've gotten really good feedback in the way the material behaves, both when we are at the stage of sending samples, but also our collaborators have been really happy when they started using the material and facing the product to hand stitching, machine stitching, all the processes you would do with natural leather. So yeah, it has been performing really well. And always of interest to me is what would drive people to you in the first place? So are those companies in particular, are you targeting them or are they finding out about you and then coming to you to see if it is a viable alternative? Most of the companies reach out to us. And yeah, there's, I feel in the industry in general, there's been a lot of interest in this type of material. So for example, to give some numbers, in terms of the global vegan leather market, it is projected to be 64 billion pounds globally in 2025. So that gives an idea of kind of the size of the material. There's a lot of competitors as well, and different brands that reach out to us are definitely interested in these sustainable alternatives to leather. And we've seen interest from both luxury and high-end brands to even like lower end and more like casual 
wear brands. So yeah, that's been really good. And from different applications, from automotive to homeware and to accessories. So then I feel like the opportunities are unlimited <laughs> for the future. So it seems, yeah, great. Like you said, because, you know, leather products are somewhat ubiquitous in everything we do, aren't they? You know, like from shoes to coats to what we sit on, what we, you know, you can even leather bound notebooks. You know, there's just an absolute ton of daily applications for it in that sense. What do you think is driving the change, right? So for established organisations and established brands that have produced leather products for years, that any change is a cost to them, right? There's a risk comes with it and there's a cost to switch. There always is, you know, they've got established supply chains, established processes that they've, you know, squeezed inefficiencies out of over all the years and made it cheaper. So they're essentially going to have to pay for this switch in one way or another, you know, at the high end, I guess some of that's passed on to the customer anyway. So it doesn't really matter that much, you know, to some degree, but you know, all private organizations work in the same way in that, you know, they'll be trying to minimize their costs and maximize their output. So what do you think is driving that desire from those organizations to invest in that change? So I think it may, it's mainly coming from the customers. Of course, the customers are asking for this type of products. They are more conscious about the sustainability implications of certain materials. There's a lot of more information available. So definitely on one and customers more aware of these issues. And also the brands, I feel in my experience talking to them, they are taking this issue very seriously. So it's not just that we put those claims on the website and they start using our material. They would ask a lot of proof and they would really want to know that our material doesn't have any petrochemicals and which ingredients we use. So I feel like on the brand's perspective, they are also very interested and very serious about these sustainability issues. So I think it's a little bit of both. <laughs> I think in the fashion industry specifically, because we're all aware of, you know, the things we've heard about the darker side of fashion and, you know, the waste that goes with it. And, you know, brands will rather than let their products get out into the market and be sold too cheaply from what they, you know, they'll burn them, you know, from that point of view. So I guess your product in some way, betters that type of process and betters that type of environment because it is biodegradable. Yeah. And yes, someone who has been working in the fashion industry for more than 10 years, I feel like it's true that there's a lot of bad initiatives and bad press within the fashion and textile industries, but there's also a lot of good alternatives. There's like a good side of it, if you want to call it. So um, yeah, and you can see it from all the other companies that are developing sustainable materials and want to do better in this industry. So that's hope, I guess. <laughs> I think, you know, what you mentioned earlier, the customer driving the change, you know, we see that across everything, you know, and I think it's, there's definitely a generational thing here where people like yourself and your generation are really helping the older generation like myself understand these challenges a lot more, you know, and make sure that where you're talking to people that are in a position to be able to make a change and to be able to influence change within an organization that you're really resonating, you know, with those. So it seems like that, you know, that messaging is getting through at that generational level. I mean, do you think there is a difference there in terms of the age demographic as well? Do you see that in your kind of daily life, people that want to work with you, people that are driving the agenda? Uh, yeah, maybe, but not necessarily. We interact with people from different ages, I guess it's right that at some point this generation, like younger generations, have been more interested 
uh, in those topics. I feel like for me, the key aspect of these type of companies driving the change and being successful in this field has been the combination of different disciplines. Mm -hmm. Like in the past, design was more isolated and then you had engineering careers and more like scientific or chemistry areas and the fact that nowadays those different areas are communicating in a better way, I feel that's what's driving the change. So combination of more interested generations, but also these disciplines more open to working with each other and doing more interdisciplinary work. I think that's become key in these developments. Excellent. How does the product compare cost-wise? At this moment, we are having a small scale production with the intention of increasing the amount of material that we produce. So as we are able to produce more and more quantities of the material, of course, that will reduce the cost. But in terms of average cost, it compares really well with leather and in some cases, even at a lower price. So that should be really appealing for different brands. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because that makes it an easier switch, doesn't it? You know, if in the long run, it's going to cost you less to produce your product and you'll get the same level of quality. And as well as that, be able to say that, you know, it's not made from animal products and it hasn't got, you know, all of the tanning processes and stuff that leather goes through, which are the bits that cause pollution and, you know, cause problems in the world. So I think that as a point is just brilliant, you know, in that context that the cost balance, because some of the more sustainable practices and cost to switch that you have, it requires, you know, quite brave companies that are willing to pay more up front to be able to make that switch. So if you're at a parity already, and then as you ramp up, you know, production, that will only go down. That's, you know, a really, really positive place to be in. But let's talk a little bit about your future, where you're going as an organisation, what the dream is, I guess. So I guess we want to develop the material for as many applications as possible. Of course, you have different products that have lower requirements in terms of the physical and mechanical properties that uh, you need on the material. So we are starting with those first, but as we progress in the years, we want to reach to even more applications and also in terms of the production of the material, the goal is to increase the production and we are yeah, in the process of doing some implementing some new processes in our plant to be able to produce more material for the brands. Amazing. Are you able to give us, you've given some good examples of companies, what types of, you know, we don't want you giving away all your secrets, obviously, but what other types of people are you talking to? What are maybe like what other types of industries or... Yeah, so a lot of interest from luxury companies in terms of manufacturers of bags, of watch straps and belts, and also a lot of interest from smaller brands, like more independent brands, which is also very interesting, that do, for example, bags or different leather accessories. So it's kind of nice to work with that combination of bigger brands from both high and low-end products and smaller, more independent designers. Have you got plans to try and crack the car market as well? Because I'd imagine that's quite a 
Do you know, every, everything I think about, it's so weird, right? So, uh, you know, from in my head, I've gone from the car market would be really attractive to you. But then in my head, I went to horses for some reason. I don't know how I got from cars to horses. But but then when you think about saddles and, you know, all of the rain gear that you get with horses, that's an immense amount of leather that goes on out there. So I guess everything you think about, you sort of think about, oh, yeah, what about that? Or, oh, yeah, what about that? So I guess controlling what you do and keeping it in the right steps, I guess, is difficult, right? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that, that's definitely on the on the plan as well. And yeah, it, it's all about the requirements of each application and each industry. But yeah, that's definitely of interest for us. Any application where you would use leather, that's of interest. It comes a lot from working with different brands and receiving their feedback. So that helps us move forward in the process. Have you found there's anything that the product doesn't apply to yet? Maybe... Quarterly is not that suitable for apparel. It's not that it can't be, but when you consider apparel products that are going to be occupying a big surface in your body, if you want to call it, there's a lot of additional testing and considerations you need to consider. For example, thermal control, what happens when you move with that product and you sweat and the evaporation of that and all these other kind of world of testing, if you want to call it, that we would need to address. So that's definitely a plan for the future, but not an immediate yeah, plan. But, but something you would see as achievable, I guess, as an organization, right? Yes, I think everything's achievable. And I think we have a great team that made this development possible. And we have expertise in different areas. So yeah, that's definitely possible. Well, it's always great to hear that people are are in positions like yourself where you are helping to drive such an important thing and such an important transition that we all need to make really away from, you know, as we move forward and we try and create a more sustainable world for us all really and a more for us now as well as for the future, you know, the future being far more important than kind of what we are now really. So if you had the opportunity to have lunch with our current prime minister and you were able to influence them, give them some good advice about what you're doing and, you know, the direction Biophilic is taking, what influence would you want to leave that meeting with? I guess I would want to obviously show all the properties of our material and all the qualities and the potential, but the end message would be to influence that person in promoting more collaborations within cross-disciplines and also promoting more collaborations between academia and industry. I feel like for these type of companies, there's a lot of resources from academia in terms of testing equipment, in terms of knowledge, research groups, and I feel like it would be really good to have a greater communication between both industry and academia. So academic groups can learn from industry in terms of how fast the processes are and how to meet the market demands. And then in terms of us or any kind of new company, there's a lot of resources that could be used in terms of knowledge from research groups and testing equipment. So I feel would be really good for this type of companies to benefit from greater communication. Couldn't agree more. I think that's a great field of influence to try and put yourself in. I think there's a really interesting point there around collaboration because it's something that, you know, going through this process and interviewing people from across the piece, we started in real estate and did a bit on domestic homes. And then, you know, we've taken the journey of speaking to people from all walks of life, really, and, you know, all types of arrangements. So I can't emphasize enough how important collaboration is. And 
none of us can do this on our own. You know, we've got such a huge journey to go that we need to get more connected. I genuinely feel that this agenda is something that connects more people than anything ever. You know, I really think that. I really think that we've sort of hit a spot in the world that there's a common journey that most people are interested in making sure that they get this bit right, you know, which is really cool. Okay, brilliant. I've really enjoyed the conversation, Daniela. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. I have a lot of fun and yeah. Awesome. Thanks. How would our listeners find out more about you and the journey Biophilica are on? Yeah, so you can visit our website, biophilica.co.uk. We are also on LinkedIn and Instagram, on LinkedIn as Biophilica, and on Instagram as Strickland Materials. Yeah, feel free to contact us or send us an email to, if you want more information or Amazing. if you want to collaborate with us. Amazing, really good. Okay, thank you very much, Daniela, for joining us. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time on Carbon Times. <laughs>